Hello, and welcome to this special bonus episode of the Vivolution podcast, brought to you in partnership with By Chloe. Since starting in late 2016, Vivolution has been creating inspiring events for the plant-powered generation. Throughout January, we've partnered with By Chloe to curate a series of exclusive topic talk events to celebrate Veganuary 2019. This bonus episode of the Vivolution podcast was recorded at the Food Innovation Topic Talks with By Chloe. This event was held at By Chloe Tower Bridge on the 9th of January 2018. First up is Vivolution co-founder Damien Clarkson interviewing plant-based chef Brett Cobley, who is known to his fans as Epic Vegan, about his journey and his debut cookbook, What Vegans Eat. Cool. Well, thank you for joining us. Yeah, no, no problem, man. I think, thank you very much for having me. Uh, you know, normally you're the guy in the hot seat doing the interviews, yeah. so <laughs> it's quite interesting to sort of flip it and uh, be chatting to you today. And uh, I'm yeah, really glad we've like got to do this because obviously you're involved in the last Evolution Festival, and um, we've been meaning to sit down and have a chat about all things vegan for ages. So this yeah. is really really cool. So. Um, yeah, so like, let's take it back to the beginning. What like inspired you to kind of look into veganism? You know, before you even started being vegan, what kind of triggered you? So I was working as an engineer at the time. I'd been an engineer for about ten years, and I had a chat with a guy who wasn't even vegan himself, and he said they'd watched a documentary and they'd te- done tests on uh, twins, and they'd done blood tests on them, and the ones that were like veggie or vegan were coming out with really healthy blood tests, and. Uh, I called bullshit. I was like, I don't, be- I don't believe you. That doesn't it, sound it was true. It the BBC, right? I think a few I think years so, ago. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, ah, oh, it doesn't sound right. So I just did a quick Google, like benefits of veganism and 101 re- reasons to go vegan came up, um, which I think a lot of people might have watched, came up on YouTube. It's like 40 minutes long. And I was like, 40 minutes is a bit long, but I'll give it a go. <laughs> so I'll give it a watch. And he just hits you with loads of logic. Um, the bit that really got me was when he talks about, you know, if you walk outside and you see someone hit a dog with a baseball bat, what are you going to do? And everyone gets a bit angry. You're like, well, I'd protect the dog. Like, someone can't just do that. And then he's like, what if it's a pig? And you're like, I'd still, like, I'd get angry and I'd, I'd take the bat from the guy and all stuff like that. And I was just like, oh, I eat one and I'd, and I'd look after the other and I'd pet the other. And I was like, I'm a hypocrite. And from that point on then, it it began my journey. I ate, like, fruit and nuts for, like, two weeks, so I just didn't know what to eat. Um, (laughs) Seriously, like, just fruit and nuts. And then I came down to London, saw my uncle, and he was like, you know vegans can eat more than that, right? And I was like, I I don't know. I started researching it, and before you knew, I was just cooking, like, every day, getting mad on it, because I just loved it. So you weren't weren't a chef before you you went vegan? No, I wasn't a chef. I'd worked in a lot of restaurants. Um, I'd been, like, a sous chef making desserts for a restaurant before, and I was a silver service waiter for about four or five years at like quite a high class restaurant but no I definitely wasn't a chef um, but yeah I'm autodidact I like teach myself everything so yeah and so, and so uh, Epi Fegan came about and you decided you were going to sort of get really interesting people together and yeah. and you know talk to them and find out about their life and their passions and stuff so where, where did that idea come from like? yeah so um i mean epi vegan comes from epicurean and vegan so epicurean means like lover of food and drink and i thought that was almost like a bit of an oxymoron of like people don't think you can be a lover of ve- food and drink and be vegan they think you're just a vegetable muncher um and the whole interviewing people was actually because you've got i love joe rogan i mean i know a lot of vegans don't like joe rogan but Joe Rogan and his gang talk about vegans being douchebags all the time and kind of bag on them a lot and say, you know, they're hysterical and throw blood at people and stuff. 
And I was like, well, all the vegans I know aren't like that. So where are all these weirdo ones hiding? So I started interviewing people because I wanted to find the normal vegans who were just everyday people, but also vegan. And I found there was like pop stars and politicians. And, and I started getting them on and interviewing them, cooking them a tasty meal. That's basically how Evolution came about. We were like, what? Vegans aren't weird. We know loads of cool people who are like yeah. really sound, doing really interesting things in the world. And yeah, and I think it's what better way to kind of like explore that and show that to the world by getting them on and making some good food. Yeah. So what, what's been your favourite and if you've done so far? Like obviously you've had some, like you've had all kinds of people on there, you know. Um, so I think my friend Zach Abel might be one of my best. Maybe because um, I put out, every now and again, I'll put out a little question and answer thing and I'll just say, who should I interview next? And I get some really great ones through. Um, sometimes it's like Piers Morgan and I'm like, I'd love to, but he never answers my calls. <laughs> um, but Zach was one that I'd never heard of him before someone messaged me. And so I was just like, oh, I'll DM the guy and see what he's a, he's a pop star if anyone doesn't know him. And I DM'd him and I was like, hey, bro, like people seem to really like you. Do you want to come on and do an interview? And he was living in London, I was living in Birmingham, and he got on the train and he came to me. And um, we did the interview, but then we stayed up all night talking about politics and psychology and veganism and everything. And now we're best mates and we're going to move in together in like two or three weeks. So just like making a bond out of just the interview and stuff like that, you can create really good relationships with people. And I've met some of my best friends through it. Yeah, but if you're looking for a flatmate in London, just get on Instagram, basically. It sounds yeah, like exactly. Just drop <laughs> out a few DMs and you'll be sorted. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so um, what, what's getting you excited at the moment in the kind of food innovation space? Because this event's about food innovation. What are you seeing in terms of trends and things that, you know, have got you excited? So I think, I think obviously there's been, there's been this growing trend of mock meats for quite a long time now. And I think they're getting really serious now. So like... I recently went over to LA and there's a place called Monty's Good Burger there and they've got the Impossible Burger yeah. and the way they make it is just insane. You, you have hundreds of people going in every single day who have no idea that it's a vegan burger joint and they're just eating it, going away, really, really happy and satisfied. Um, and that amazes me. I love the fact that so many places are... They're using the system to its full effect and they're making money out of something that's vegan and not doing any harm to the environment and that's, that's really good because... If you can do that, that's great. There's plenty of businesses doing it the opposite way. Um, in terms of food innovation, I see that a lot of the huge companies now are massively jumping on the bandwagon. So although a lot of people won't want to support certain companies, you know, whether it's a McDonald's or something like that, at least they are creating an option. And with companies like that putting the amount of money that they can put into something, then maybe we'll get some very interesting vegan products out of a company like that. Yeah, because I think that's been a science held vegan movement back in terms of food development because R&D is going into Impossible Burger. You're talking about yeah. Bill Gates investing in that. And you're talking about billions of pounds of R&D going into making that taste great. And it, yeah. it really does taste great. So I think the more money that goes into it, that you know, it's going to be harder for some vegan businesses maybe to kind of break through. But yeah. the ones that do would be really great. And, in the, and it's going to mean more accessibility of vegan food everywhere. And so ultimately, like, I think that's probably going to be a good thing if we're interested in getting people eating more, more plants. And it's interesting what you said about LA. Like, you spend a lot of time there, obviously, yeah. with our friends that eat, drink, vegan. And like, how do you find the scene over there compared to London? What differences do you find in kind of the, the vegan movement? It's interesting. Um, 
they've got an amazing Mexican influence over there, which is fantastic yeah. because the food's so good and the they bring. I find Mexican food very similar to Italian food in the fact that they really concentrate on the ingredients and they concentrate on starting with the best stuff, and then you're always going to make something tasty because they start with incredible organic ingredients. Um, but yeah, that affects the food industry over there massively. What I did notice though is. They have like these huge veg fests and stuff, but it's a bit like anyone ever used to watch Scooby Doo, where it's just like the same stuff over and over again. You can only create it so many times, so like it doesn't matter how big it gets, you you can't get more original. Um, whereas we've got vegan nights, and that to me, when anyone comes over from America and sees vegan nights, they're like, "Oh, that's crazy! We need that in LA." So I actually think the vegan scene here is probably more original. Yeah, we, we found that. We went to LA last May to collaborate with Eat Dream Vegan. And everyone's yeah. like, when are you coming to LA? Like, we don't have this kind of educational hub here in LA. So actually, I think we're bringing stuff over yeah. there now and like getting those guys excited. Whereas the plant-based movement in the past, was in the UK, was always looking to America. Okay, and I wish, I wish we had Bi-Chloe and stuff like that here. But it's all, it's all happening here now. And I think we've got a really great community that's doing interesting stuff, both... Um, in communities like with things like Made in Hackney you know helping people learn about great food but also with entrepreneurs creating businesses so I think it's a really exciting time um, okay so let's talk about the book yeah okay so what vegans eat that's the title and like what, what yes. like so earlier you asked me about um, where the journey began yeah um, and that's very much linked to the book so when I actually made the decision to go vegan a couple of weeks later I actually also watched a documentary called The Minimalist has everyone ever seen yeah. it and I cried and uh, that's not nor- the normal reaction to The Minimalist but it talks <laughs> about this guy who spent his whole life in a corporate career and he worked I was working 80 hours a week when I first went vegan and I was staying in a hotel next to work even though I only lived an hour away so that I could work more um because I was just dedicated to it and that's all I ever thought about. And when I saw a guy on that talking about all he thought about was money and advancing his career and like that's, I wasn't really even thinking about money, I was thinking about respect and I wanted to get respect from my peers all the time so I'd be the hardest working man in the room. And I cried it because I was like, oh, that guy's me and he's trapped and that's how I was. So I quit my job, I sold my house, I sold my car, I sold all my furniture, my fridge, my sofas, everything. Um, and that's when I actually got the book deal. And the reason it's called What Vegans Eat is because... Because that gave me the freedom to really concentrate on it. And then I got the book deal and I went from there. But the reason it's called Vegans Eat is because I didn't know what vegans eat. When I first went vegan, that's why I was eating fruits and nuts. Because I had no idea. And that's what it was born out of. It was trying to tell other people in my position, this is actually what vegans eat. Make it normal for them. And yeah. accessible. And like, what's the reaction been like to the book since it's come out? I mean, honestly, it's been incredible. Um, the feedback's been amazing. I've, I've, um, to see people making your dishes, like, obviously, you get a bit of that on YouTube and things like that. But um, I've been seeing random people popping up that were like footballers that I used to watch on TV and stuff, and they're doing a meat free Monday and they're using what vegans eat. And I think that's absolutely fantastic. Um, Amazon sold out of it the other day, which was great. A bit of a gift and a curse because people don't really like it when it tells you that it's three weeks to get your book. Um, yeah. But it was great that they, they, they sold out of it. There was obviously demand there, and that's fantastic. Um, but, yeah, it's really nice to see people posting pictures of unwrapping it. And it's kind of nicer when you see someone who isn't a vegan unwrapping it as well because you know every single time they're going to eat a meal out of it, they're potentially saving an animal. 
And, and so how did that come about then? You just sort of, obviously on Instagram and YouTube putting the videos out and how did you find a publisher? How did it like, fit with your values and want to put out the book that you, you want to put out? Because obviously like, there's a lot of publishers out there and quite often they have some quite rigid ideas of what they want. How did yeah. you find someone who wants to work with you on obviously what's a big passion of yours, you know, where you talk about things? Yeah, so um, I'd thought about a book and I'd started writing down some recipes and things like that. I've got a website that I've got recipes on as well. Um, but it, it was kind of strange the way it came about because for other people that have tried to publish books in the past, it's definitely not the normal way it happens. They actually DM me on Instagram and said, we've wanted to put a book out for the last year. We couldn't find the right person. We think you're the right person. You fit with our morals and our ethics and we'd like to meet with you. And You're like someone scamming me here. Yeah, <laughs> it feels weird. It's the same as when you get like, oh, give us £10,000 and we'll make you verified. It's like, oh, I'm, not, I'm just going to delete this. But um, I was like, oh, like, looks on her profile. She seemed legit. Went and met, met for a coffee and she's vegan. The, wow. the person who's the agent for my publisher is vegan as well. So we started chatting about everything. I wanted to find out more about her and her morals and ethics. Same as I wouldn't work with any other company that hasn't got good morals and ethics. Um, and my publisher is actually HarperCollins, which are the biggest publisher in the world. So it was great that they found me and, and contacted me. Um, it's Man exactly manifested what, it. Yeah, it's exactly what I wrote in the book when I signed her a copy of the book. I just said I genuinely am the happiest man in the world that she found me because I would have gone through so much heartache trying to find the right person and I may never have found the right publisher. But to find a, a vegan you know, publisher agent was just such a stroke of luck. Sometimes you put good stuff out in the world and it comes back to you. You know, you've been putting a lot of free inspiration out there for people. And I think that maybe is your, your payback for that, you know? Yeah, I mean, hopefully. Um, because, I mean, I could have just stayed vegan and carried on doing the job I was doing and I was in really good money and stuff. Um, but yeah, I took a leap of faith. I sold my house and car and everything. And um, if every time someone posts a picture and I can see that it's potentially saving another animal, that's massive payback for me. But... The problem is we're getting to a point in our generation now where we used to talk to people and say, oh, like, I'm vegan, and they'd go, like, oh, I'm not vegan. They'd be like, well, it's a personal choice, and you'd be like, yeah, it's a personal choice. And then you're like, nah, actually, you're messing with my environment, and that's not a personal choice anymore because you're messing with the ozone layer and you're going to destroy the planet, and I live on that planet, so your personal choice is kind of messing me up a bit, and it's going to ruin things for my kids. And, and it's like, it's gone beyond that now we're not we're not ignorant to it anymore we know now that every personal choice is affecting it in one way or the other and it's kind of like it's time people got on the bandwagon because this is this is the future do you know what it reminds me of climate change and mm -hmm. in the way that for 20 30 years like after we knew climate change was happening all yeah. the world's leading scientists said look climate change is happening there was this debate that mm -hmm. has happened, you know, we had to give equal equal amount of platform to the climate change denier as the leading authority on climate yeah. change, you know, leading scientists. And so I think we're in that phase now where we know, like you say, we know the information's out yeah. there. We know that, you know, eating e meat is bad for the environment, it's affecting future generations' health, it's 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 ultimately a thing that's of the past and it's going to fade away but we're in the argument now where you've got the kind of shock jockeys the Piers Morgans who want to kind of fight about it and we're going to gradually move towards acceptance and our generation mm -hmm. is like even if someone's like not feeling like they're going to be a fully vegan person they know that eating more plants is good for them yeah. and it's good for their kids and it's good for kids to come in the future so I feel like it's going that way it's shifting that way yeah it, it, it makes me uncomfortable to watch though because 
obviously you, you, we've got platforms like the BBC, which is absolutely fantastic, you know, and they they, they want to give some some talk to both sides so that everyone's got a platform to talk on. The problem is you end up with a doctor, a nutritionist, someone who knows what they're talking about, or someone who knows what climate change is, and then you end up with Piers Morgan on the other side who doesn't actually know anything about it and wants to say, oh, your shoes aren't vegan, and they say, oh, no, they're actually vegan Doc Martens. And then he just wants to try and pick fault, pick holes, whatever. But he's not actually talking about the subject anymore. And to give the same platform to both sides, even when... Because it's the same with conspiracies, right? You can get someone on the news who's a scientist who, you know, knows what shape the world is or they know how the climate works or they know... But then if someone's on the other side and they are a conspiracy theorist, then they might be talking about things they don't actually understand. They've not got a science degree. But because they're both on the news, everyone's like, well, they're both obviously equal and they're as educated as each other. And it doesn't really work like that. Yeah, well, that's, that's exactly what happened with climate change. And I think that's yeah. why you're seeing people filter it out with social media. They're like, I'm going to watch Piers Morgan. I'll just go and watch Happy Vegan on YouTube. And people creating their own personal channels, basically, of how mm-hmm. they want to receive information. Well, I guess as its pros and its cons. But ultimately, I think you're ending up with people who are better informed about the important things in the world. Yeah, hopefully. I mean... I like to say that I'm just putting it out there and you don't need to come on my page. I never go on anyone else's page, by the way. I never say anything negative. I never say anything negative to anyone or preach hate. I just put it on my own page. And if you want to come and have a look, that's great. But that's also why I don't put up with anyone coming onto my page and saying anything that's negative because you have your own Instagram or your own Facebook where you can preach whatever you want to the world. So do it there. Sounds good. Um, okay, so what can we expect from you next in 2019? What What's the plan with the book? You're going to be touring it. What is it? Are you working on a new book? What's What's happening? Um, I can't anna- just- I can't announce that, but <laughs> but um, there'll there'll be another book. There'll definitely yeah. be another book, and uh, it'll be a little bit of a different theme, which will be which will be good. Something I'm really really passionate about as well. Um, obviously still vegan but it'll just be another genre of food and stuff and it's something that I think is really missing from the market at the moment so that's nice Um, I'm actually going to move into a place purely for the kitchen so I'm going to move into a place where I can turn the kitchen into a studio so this year there'll be a lot more recipes a lot more videos coming from me um, which I'm really looking forward to we were just talking about this actually that we want to shoot a video together because the kitchen is going to be perfect set for like a Saturday kitchen vibe where I can get people in and I can do the interviews I normally do but um, the camera setup will be a lot better and the, the feel to it will be a lot better. You can lot maybe better, do a whole so. evolution in the kitchen. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that's definitely something people can expect from this year. I've also got a podcast called Bag Court. Um, and basically the whole theory behind Bag Court is, if you think of a court as somewhere like a free idea isn't, isn't okay and you need to like be rigid about the, the ethics of the court, People call veganism court all the time, and I think it's completely the opposite. Like, I think the most free-thinking people in the world end up being vegan. So bad court is to talk to other free-thinking people, and they can bring whatever they want into it. Maybe they've got some bad ideas, and they want to discuss it, and they can put them all out on the table and not be judged. And I'll just give an open ear to everything, um, because I'm not right about everything. So it's just nice to hear other people's opposing ideas. Too much when people have podcasts and stuff, it just ends up like an echo chamber. Sounds great. Is, yeah. it, is that a weekly podcast? Uh, it's not weekly at the moment. It's basically, I'm not on like a schedule. I'm just releasing it as much as I can. Yep. So when I was in LA, I did like three episodes in like a few days. Um, but I'm always looking for open-minded people who are interested in a particular subject um, to have a chat. I'd love to get Ju- you guys Ju- on. Judy, get Judy on. Yeah. She's got loads of mad ideas. Yeah. <laughs> All right, great.
Thanks for listening, guys. Round of applause. If you enjoyed the previous interview, you will love the panel discussion, again hosted by Vevolution co-founder Damien Clarkson. He is joined by plant-powered food pioneers Brett Cobley, Epivegan, Ellie Brown, founder of Kinderco, and Ben Pook and Roxy Pope, founders of So Vegan. Thank you for sticking to the end. And then we've got a really exciting panel with the addition of So Vegan, Ben and Roxy, Ellie from Kinderco is back, and... Right, Epivegans here. So, um, yeah, let's kick it off with Veganuary, eh? Because it's, it's Veganuary and we're here doing these, these events throughout January to celebrate Veganuary, essentially. Um, so I worked on the very first Veganuary campaign back in 2014 with the founders, Matthew and Jane. And literally, we could get no one to write about it. Literally, no one wanted to know. They're like, what? Veganuary? What's this thing? What? I'm not, I'm not going to eat meat for a whole month? Like... And it was just so hard to get any kind of mainstream pickup. Like, I think we had maybe two or three articles across the whole month at the end of the month. So, like, what's, what's changed? Why has, like, veganism gone mainstream? And what, what have been some of the key things you think that have, like, kind of sped things up in, like, what is only five years, really, not a massive amount of time? I mean, I, when I was doing a film with Veganuary, um, we did some recipe videos together to, like, help the campaign. And... They'd been vegan like a lot longer than I had. Like some of the people there have been vegan like way over 20 years. And they told me stuff like the first vegan milk that they had was made from cabbage. Oh. And I was like, that's got to be a help that like there's so many amazing products on the market now. And we were just talking about your cookbook and it's a five ingredient recipes. All the, all, the, all the recipes in the book are five ingredients. And it's like with stuff like that on the market, there's no excuse not to go vegan anymore. It's so easy and it's accessible that like, it's fantastic. Any, any thoughts? Thank you very much for plugging the book. Straight Yeah, I think as well, it's been driven by young people, right? To some extent, which isn't to take any credit away from other generations, but I think what I find really interesting is, it's potentially a contentious point, but I think people are reinterpreting what veganism means. I think fundamentally veganism is, well, at least I think, showing compassion to animals. And um, but, but beyond that, I think what's really interesting is people are deciding to go vegan for various other reasons, right? So personally, I this, this, the switch for me was environmental reasons. Um, and so we filmed some recipes with Veganu as well. So I was articulating this point to them and. I think it was just quite interesting talking to people who had been vegan for a lot longer and they were like oh well like nearly everybody went vegan for ethical reasons like however long like 10, 20, 30 years ago Um, so I think while it's maybe there is some tension in terms of like this reinterpretation of what veganism means I think at the same time it is helping sort of scale it and, and reach more and more people, um, which I think is only a good thing, right? Yeah, well, it's the, it's the judgment, isn't it? You know, there's actually still a bit of a stigma around. If you go, oh, I went vegan because of health, but ultimately, if that's, that's good for you and that's, that's motivation in the start, you start learning about other things. You start looking into animal agriculture and you build a fuller picture for yourself. And I think we've taken away some of that judgment maybe existed in the past, and I think that has definitely been an accelerator of it. Um, I think also we can't deny the kind of impact of us all being so connected now, you know, the rise of internet and social media and everything like that, like it's really easy to get the information about where our food comes from and health and all these things. Everyone has Instagram and Facebook, which weren't around, 
you know, in years before, and I just think all those things has just really facilitated the spread of information. So now everyone, it's harder to say, oh, I didn't know about it, because someone you know is going to be vegan on Facebook and sharing all these horrible videos, or, you know, like, that's how I found out about it. So yeah. do, I think, do you think the horrible videos for you were like a kind of um, uh, thing that opened your... Your eyes to it. Yeah, I mean, I'm in so two minds about this because although that definitely did help me to make a change, I would never kind of suggest to someone else to watch that because I think different things are going to work for different people. And for a lot of people who don't want to see that, it's awful to see. And like, so I think for some people, a different approach would work better. And if you're kind of forced something in their face, they're just going to turn even more against it and just not want to deal with it at all. So I'm kind of more an advocate for a more passive approach. But that's not to say that's the right way. I think we need all kinds of different ways and activism and stuff to make a change. So, so yeah, yeah. Again, it has judgment. Maybe some people are judging people who are coming in from health or environment sort of and more softer yeah. approach judging us for being too soft and, oh yeah like, you know, so yeah. we've just got to try to judge those people as well and I, I say that because I prefer the softer approach yeah. and I see sort of some hardcore stuff sometimes pop up on Facebook and I say oh hang on a minute I shouldn't judge them you know because like when I don't want people to judge me for maybe advocating a softer approach yeah and like veganism is cool it's about compassion like let's all yeah. be compassionate to everyone like not just the animals like yeah Roxy, any thoughts? I think the boundaries of veganism are kind of being broken down as well. I think, um, I think especially for the community, we're coming at it from a, a point of view where, like, if you're trying to go vegan, it is a very difficult thing. We're not, we're trying to put less pressure on people to turn vegan o- overnight. So if we can make a, a kind of a movement where, like, you welcome people in and you embrace that people change takes time and if we can help people along the way i think we're going to attract so many more people and it won't be just such a niche movement we want to attract people all around the nation all around the world no matter where you come from what background you're from what your budget is all this kinds of thing if we can break down those barriers which i think we're doing um, i think that's really vital i think that's what, what has happened recently as well i think um made in hackney um, i'm yeah. trustee of made in hackney i know you guys have recently become ambassadors and they're doing that kind of work where they're going into communities and you know working with people who maybe really busy they don't have lots of time they've got four kids and yeah. they're teaching them about simple whole foods plant-based cooking and you go to one of the maiden hackney parties or gatherings and it's people from all over the, all over the world and it's just you know it's not your what you think is like stereotypical vegans or even like young veganisms it's just people who are from all different cultures and i think that's really where things get interesting especially with food and yeah. you know built and building more resilient communities so yeah I think a big thing is also um, getting people cooking from scratch. So quite often, like a lot of people don't cook from scratch or they find it intimidating, they're scared. Um, and I think if we can incorporate cooking from scratch within the vegan movement and helping people along the way just cooking, and then, oh, by the way, it happens to be vegan as well, I think that's going to change things as well. Um, okay, cool. So... Um a lot of people here are probably quite entrepreneurial. All you guys are entrepreneurs. I know you've got books out, and normally uh, you're entrepreneurs selling that, selling that book. Like, what advice would you give for someone wanting to start a plant-based business? And do you think there's like there's room for more plant-based businesses? Because with M&S and Sainsbury's and Tesco and all these guys bringing out massive ranges like food businesses, do you think there's space for more vegan brands? I think there is because there's only like people often come from like a real fam- famine mentality with things so they think that 
and influencers can do the same thing influencers can often come from a fan mentality where they think that there's only so many jobs out there there's only so many brands they can represent there's only so much work and it's, it's not really true because you're creating your own content you're creating new markets all the time depending on like what kind of niches you go into um, I think veganism's kind of coming full circle in that it started out as a very like the only thing you could eat as a vegan was like a salad and everyone thought it was just all about salad and, and then it's it's gone all the way around to like deep fried burgers and seitan and all this stuff I think we're kind of getting to a point again where like people actually want to get back to basics with some stuff yeah yeah um yeah this comes back to Roxy's point about like it's encouraging people to cook from scratch but um in terms of the question I think it's it's a question I well we're occasionally asked and I ask myself as well and to be perfectly honest my answer would be if you've got like an idea for a business this might sound strange but park it temporarily set up another business fail fail that business <laughs> learn from all the mistakes you made on that business and then go and start the business that you always dreamed of doing basically but like and I mean that in the, in the context of so vegan like we made so many mistakes honestly. And it's like, it's, it still drives us to like, kind of get up and like, just stop making those mistakes and do things better and like, just improve things generally. But I think in hindsight, I guess like, the ideal scenario would be like, when we talk to people like JP and All Plants and um, Henry and Ian from Bosch. They've all failed. Like, they think they've all set up business and failed those business, well not maybe failed, maybe that's the wrong way to describe it, but like. They've learned from They've the learned, right, yeah. exactly. And like, I just kind of, part of me is like, oh, I wish I had that like. <laughs> sort of experience of like knowing what kind of like like coming back to the context of business as well it's like there's so many things that we kind of like didn't um, kind of appreciate at the start of like running so vegan so like really simple stuff like tax and like I still don't get what VAT is it's like <laughs> what, what I is know VAT? It's a big pa- I know it's a pain VAT is a thing that we have to do every three months for some reason and it doesn't make any difference anyway it adds value okay yeah, that's right, exactly um, but yeah so like another thing as well is um, like don't be afraid to like talk to people who know the answers I think that's another thing like okay fine you're not going to like want to fail a business but like if you can like get in touch with people who have taken part in that journey already and like done something successfully or even like done something and made those mistakes and like worked out how to like do them differently am I answering the question by the way am I yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) Um, yeah, yeah. so like that's another thing that we've learned like we kind of jumped into it in the deep end like trying to work everything out for ourselves and I think had we and we do now like just I think reach out to people we didn't start it thinking it's a business I think that's kind of where we came from we started it thinking oh this is interesting we're really passionate about it let's create video and, and, and it's people are interacting with it just sorry to button um, and then later on we're like okay if we want to run this full time if we want to put as much as we want into it it's going to have to be a business yeah. back yeah, to you but I think that's a blessing <laughs> and a curse in the sense like you just I, got going, so you I, were creative, and you just started creating. Yeah, yeah, exactly, totally. It's like, it's something, I, I didn't, when, when we started serving, I wasn't like, I want to have a cookbook because I want to have a business. I wasn't like, I want to make loads of money. I was like, I love cooking vegan food. It's literally all I want to do. I love, like, creating things. Why don't we just do this and see what happens? And I think, like, if, I feel like if, if we lose that, then I think we'll lose the essence of, like, why we're doing it in the first place. Um, and to say that is a balance, right? You need that. I think with the non... Like, we, I saw Joe Wick say something recently where he was like, all I'm motivated by is, like, getting people fit. And I feel like 
I'm not entirely sure how genuine that is in the sense that you do need some motivation to like, what's my cash flow? Like, how am I going to be like turning this business over and like growing and scaling up? So I think you need this like fine balance between inspiring yourself to get up in the morning and do something different, but also like having the sort of like grounding of like knowing like this needs to be profitable. This needs to be like something that I can sort of get myself to do if that makes sense and it's okay to wear a few hats right you can wear the finance VAT hat one day and then the next day you've got to wear wear the creative hat where you know you're on camera and you're doing the videos and I think if you neglect one or the other too much you know you're going to lose your way and it's, it's about being okay with like, like doing multiple things at once yeah, and I think there's also always going to be like a reason not to do something. And I think, you know, you could say, oh, I could start a business. But so many plant-based businesses out there, it's like no one's going to do exactly what you're going to do. And that's not to say everything you do is going to be successful. But there's always an excuse. There's always a reason to delay. And, you know, when I got started, there were a few other nut cheese companies out there that were already kind of making great moves. And I could have easily sat back and said, oh, Mouse's favorite. I've already got that space now. And they, they're doing really well, so there's no space for me. And, you know, that would have, you know, that's not true. I think it's hard because you always kind of trying to guard against disappointment but you've just got to put it out there and there's nothing's ever going to be perfect you're the best thing you can do is just put it out there and try and test the concept in the lower risk way as you can and then just see what happens like you know these guys all of them didn't quit their jobs immediately and just be like right I'm going to start a business now it's kind of like you do it alongside as a side hustle for as long as you can and then at some point you just got to make the leap of faith and yeah I hope that you get that, caught on the way That's really scary. <laughs> yeah. I got home one night from work. I'd done like 16 hours and I got home and my friend was coming around to film a video with me and I cleaned my whole kitchen as quickly as I could and then when he got there I was like, right, you set the cameras up. I'll just like finish cleaning. I've got to get all the ingredients out. It'll be fine. And I reached up into one of the cupboards and a bag of flour just fell out and went poof. And I was like... <sighs> I was like the noise of my soul. But you've got to clean it up and get on with it, haven't you? In terms of the question, I think um, in terms of bigger like Tesco's and whatever, kind of putting products out there that are vegan and in terms of small businesses, um, I think authenticity speaks volumes. So it's amazing that big corporations are coming on board with the vegan movement because it's opening up to so many more people. But I think there'll always be space for smaller businesses because I think there's a craving for knowing exactly where your products have come from, how they've been sourced, and I think we hopefully won't lose that. Yeah, and just to inter like interject, like a great case in point of that is vegan cheese in the supermarkets. Like, they're obviously trying to jump on the vegan bandwagon, but I don't know if anyone's tried the like Sainsbury's cheddar, but like, it's not you know not to be badly of lovely Sainsbury's but like it doesn't taste great because it's probably not formulated by a vegan who really wants to eat some delicious vegan cheese so also someone who's coming from a different motivation like us will always kind of do a better job and people respond to that yeah I guess it's free marketing in a way because the plant-based market as a whole is growing so big there's always going to be space for the vegan brands to fit in the niches there's always going to be the person who wants that more personal product with the, the higher quality essentially so I think we should all kind of be embracing it in a way but it's obviously scary I guess if you're a small yeah. vegan brand like trying to make your way um, cool just talk about your your book um, so vegan and five just come out so what's the what's the reaction been like been been to it yeah yeah it's been awesome like um, it's just 
completely surreal, to be perfectly honest with you. <laughs> like, um, we, we went into a meeting with a publisher a few months before the launch, and they were like, um, oh, you're going to be on the side of a bus, and you're going to be on billboards in Shoreditch. <laughs> and, like, I just, I, th I didn't think it sunk in. And then I remember we left the meeting, and Roxy was like, you're gonna, we're going to be on a bus and we're going to be on billboards. Like, what on earth is going on? And then, then, so they came out and we started getting photos sent from us, like, from everybody who follows us. Like, I saw you on a bus. And I'm like... It's mad. Like, what on earth is going on? Um, so, yeah, it's, the reaction's been really positive. Like, we, um, we knew we wanted to do something different and, like, unique and, like, true to what So Vegan is about. And it's about making things as simple and as accessible as possible. So... Funny enough, like we um, we went in initially with like a sort of let's do a so let's do a vegan bible let's do like let's do like the biggest most epic recipes we can possibly think of the burgers the lasagnas the pizzas and the publishers were like the people we were pitching it to were like nah like like why like the the Bosch are like absolutely nailing it they're doing so well, like well. Like, what, what's different about what you're going to be doing to what Bosch do? So we kind of went away and we started having conversations between ourselves. Like, well, like, yeah, okay, like, how do we make our book different? How do we make our book stand out? But also, more importantly as well, how do we make it true to what we did while we launched our vegan in the first place? So we came up, came up with the idea of a five-ingredient cookbook. And um, we had done about two or three five-ingredient recipes before we pitched them, without even, know, without even knowing they were five ingredients, funny enough. We did a, uh, was it coconut chocolate bars, I think, um, and a few others. And, um, and they were like, five ingredients, that's, that's amazing. Let's, like, right, let's do this. So we're like, what? Right, AC. Uh, okay. And um, so, it, like, the first week was, like, quite stressful, to be perfectly honest. Um, but, um, like, and it, the whole thing was, like, the most intense thing I've ever done, like developing all the recipes of the book. But um, so I'm going on a little bit. But um, uh, just to wrap up, so um, yeah, like we look back at it now and we're like, had we done anything other than a five ingredient cookbook, I think we would have like, it, it just felt like so right to do that, especially at this time, because I think, funny enough, we get a lot of people still tell us like vegan food is so difficult. Like people who aren't used to cooking vegan food, right? And I think what often happens is they conflate it with cooking from scratch. That like, I could never be vegan. And it's like, well, what do you normally eat? Or I was like, I put pizzas in the oven, I put like, you know, chicken nuggets in the oven, whatever. And I'm like, like, it's not vegan food that's the problem. I'm not saying that, and they're not the problem. It's more the society's sort of reluctance to embrace cooking from scratch and, and learning the basics of combining, combining flavors, understanding ingredients. And I think with a fire ingredient cookbook, we wanted to just bypass all that and be like, look, this is going to make it so easy for you. Um, but also, it's going to be super delicious, which is important. So. <laughs> Anything to add about cookbook? We've got a cookbook and we think it's just really accessible and like, you know, we're, we're often working long days, so to have something you can just open up and, you know, make a really delicious pasta dish that doesn't take long is great. Yeah, so uh, it's great to see it doing so well. And you can get the book on Amazon and Waterstones and all the places and yes, WH Smiths, Asda, Waterstones. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe foils.
Today, we conclude with an in-conversation between Vevolution co-founder Judy Nadel and Ellie Brown, founder of Kinderco. They talk about her extraordinary entrepreneurial journey and what the future holds for plant-based foods in 2019. Just a little note for listeners, there is a bit of microphone feedback throughout this interview. I'm so excited to be interviewing the amazing Ellie Brown because not only am I a massive, massive fan of Kinderco, her vegan cheese company, um, she's also my really good friend and I'm just so proud of her because she's like grown and come along so much in the past, how long have you been doing Kinderco for now? Over a year? Uh, yeah, since... October 2017. And you've just done such amazing things. So I'm really excited to be talking to you and for Ellie to be sharing her story. Um, Ellie, thanks for joining us at the first Topics event, um, the By Chloe Topics event. The title of this event is Food Innovation, Taking Plant-Based Foods Mainstream in 2019. And I did Veganuary in 2015. That's how I started my vegan journey. And I'm sure like most people, for me, the big thing for going vegan, the thing that like I was scared of was cheese I was like how could I give up cheese I love cheese too much (laughs) and so I feel like in terms of vegan food innovation vegan cheese is a huge huge part of that so I think what you're doing is incredible and so before becoming a vegan cheese pioneer (laughs) um, you were working as a nanny so how did you start your journey with Kindico? Well, um, how did I start? I, I was always a huge like, fan of cheese. I was a huge cheese addict. I grew up as a vegetarian, so like, my, cheese was, my diet was like, mostly cheese and carbs. And so I, when I went vegan, I went around trying to find all the different cheese alternatives and bought all the really expensive ones and the cheap ones, and none of them really tasted much like cheese to me. And I... I'm not kind of, I quite like cooking and I had a blog at the time so I just thought I'd try and make my own and then they tasted alright. You and Damien were some of my early stage guinea pigs. <laughs> Anyone that would come around my flat, mostly people who weren't vegan would try them all and you know, the feedback was good so I started making them and actually I'd been coming to all the Vevolution events, the topic events in the first year and there were all these amazing people doing businesses. They were the All Plants guys and they were the Bosch guys and all these people doing these cool businesses and I thought, I want to do a cool business, what could I do? And yeah, everyone loved the cheese, so that's, that was a very long answer to a simple question. But that and was it. you recently went full-time on, um, on going full-time with Kinderco. Yeah. And how did you find that transition from working in a secure job and working for someone else to then having your own control and working for yourself and yeah, being able to focus full-time on Kinderco? Yeah, I mean, it was pretty terrifying. <laughs> Leaving a kind of steady income to suddenly work for yourself. It was great in other measures, like being in charge of my own schedule and you know really being able to dedicate everything to my business is great but also there's no money coming in at the end of the month so you've got to make your own money and that is motivating and terrifying in equal measure really and I'm still you know I, I would never want anyone to think it's easy because it's really tough but it's definitely worth it so and you know what nannying is something that I can always go back to like it's not like I was stepping off some great corporate career ladder you know there's always going to be kids that need looking after so you know that I kind of like ameliorated my stress by just thinking like I can always go back to that and I just need to give it a go because what would really get me down if is if it didn't work and I knew it was because I hadn't dedicated everything to it so yeah and did you have support from other people in the vegan community or outside who had run a business before like did you have people that you could rely on to support you in like making business decisions and things like that I mean not 
so much in terms of making decisions because like you're the only one that can ever make a decision for your business ultimately and if you're allowing someone else to make a decision for you then you're I've, in my opinion you're doing it wrong but there's so many all so many people who've done the same thing and everyone knows the struggle so I reached out to a few other people and you know we would meet people at events and say you know even the plentiful guys who are here tonight I was like let's go for coffee I'm going to grill you about business because everyone's normally help like willing to help someone else who's been in the same boat so yeah and that's I think an amazing yeah. thing because in other industries it's not always like oh sorry yeah. <laughs> um it's not always like that it can be quite difficult to yeah. um like have that sort of support from people who are maybe seen as like a competitor so it's amazing that people can collaborate and work together and support each other yeah and everyone I think especially with veganism and like in other areas of business I imagine like we're all kind of fighting the good fight for this kind of bigger cause rather than just like making a profit and I feel like if you're starting your own business, you do it because you really care. You're not doing it because you want to make a quick buck, which <laughs> obviously you're in the wrong game if that's your thing. So, you know, even amongst the kind of vegan cheese world in London, like, we're all friends, we all get on. Like, there's not this kind of competitive edge that I imagine there would be in so many other businesses if you're, like, all doing the same thing. Yeah. And so um, I really feel like veganism has hit the mainstream. Like, all, you know, we're seeing Sainsbury's and Tesco's and all these big supermarkets and brands supporting what's going on in the plant-powered mm-hmm. world. Um, but coming with that, we're also competing against, you know, the dairy and the meat industry. Mm-hmm. And I've seen, you know, in the papers and, like, from, like, other people, like, other people's businesses that they've had, um, you know, negative kind of treatment from from these yeah. industries just because they're getting scared they want to use their, their muscle and their power to intim- intimidate smaller businesses have you found that yeah. with kind of code yeah so originally when we started we were called i say we it was just me and my flat at this point uh kind of cheese and i registered the trademark and kind of went through all that process and then i ended up getting like threatening letters from dairy uk limited who are kind of the big governing body for all the dairy companies saying that you can't use the word cheese and i don't know if anyone else knows this and you probably wouldn't if you hadn't had to look into it but the words cheese milk butter cream yogurt they're all you can only use them to be designated towards dairy terms it's eu legislation so i had to basically just change my name and you know i hadn't even sold any cheese it was just they they were really they've gone trawling through the trademarks registry to find anyone using the word cheese and to check so that was just insane to me that they've got someone on that full time yeah. checking out and this is like a multi-billion pound industry i was like i am one person i haven't even done anything yet like so it's crazy but you know they made me change my name but they haven't stopped anything else so yeah you're still going strong In your face, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and and being a female ceo and the founder of your own company how have you found that have you found it a disadvantage or an advantage just because again it's um you know in this male-dominated world there's a lot of like businesses that are being founded and started up and ceos that are leaded by men so it's just interesting to see what your viewers and running kind of co yourself um i mean i don't really know because i don't know what the alternative would be um but i think i don't think it's made any difference i sometimes think i mean i haven't really been faced with anyone not taking me seriously or anything or anything like that but i think generally you know i'm going to make a broad statement but i feel like sometimes as just as a gender sometimes women we can kind of have more self doubt and things that whereas i feel you know they've done that, that um 
sorry, I did a psychology degree and I'm going to go off on a tangent, but they've done studies where, you know, people apply for jobs and if it's a woman and you're not quite qualified for one little thing on the job, then you might not apply. Whereas men will just see it and say, and this is like generally speaking of people, but they would just say, well, I'll just figure it out as I go along. And I feel like that kind of thing might be that attitude of being like, I can just get on with it. But I just yeah. think, I think... It hasn't really affected me. Oh, I think great. everyone should do it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> definitely. Um, and what advice would you give to someone who wants to start something in the food industry but hasn't necessarily got food background because you didn't have a food background when you started Kinda Co? Yeah. So have you got any tips that someone could have? Um, I mean... I think just ask people, ask people for help. There's an amazing resource on, like, if you, the more you ask people, the more people, they'll point you in the right direction. There's an amazing resource on Facebook called The Food Hub, and it's all food business founders, and all those questions you have about barcodes and packaging and manufacturers and all those things, someone else has asked the question, so you can search and they'll help you out, and everyone's in the same boat, so even if you just need to, like, have a moan or something, then that's been, that's been, it's so invaluable to me. That's um, amazing. Yeah, that's the best thing. But you don't need experience. Like a lot of people who start food businesses, they just have a passion for something. You know, it's, whether it's like your grandma's chili sauce, or you know, for me it was cheese. Like, I don't think necessarily experience is an indicator of success. Yeah. Um, and last year you won an investment competition at Bread and Jam Festival. I did. Bread Jam Festival. Bread and, Jam. and has that investment and that support helped you change direction of Kindeco or like have you been able to hire any staff because of it? And was that was that one of the reasons you were able to go full time with Kindeco? Um not really any of those things. I haven't got the money yet because oh. we're still in negotiations about the amount of equity that they will want me to give away. Um, and But we have, uh, part of the prize was some mentoring from some guys called, who run a company called LVK and they do like sales and business mentoring. And having someone to go to with all those questions that I don't know the answer to has been amazing. And, you know, even this morning I gave them a call and they were helping. So we haven't, it was me that delayed the meeting because we had such a busy Christmas and I didn't want to be talking about investment when I was run off my feet. But So we'll see what's going to happen. But it's definitely changed the game in terms of where I want it to go and maybe the timeline for that because... Yeah having someone be like yeah we believe in you is pretty great amazing and because I know like when we spoke about investment before mm -hmm. you were unsure about you know whether you wanted to take investment just because of like you know you built kind of co yourself and you were like conscious of someone coming in and taking over a part mm -hmm. of it and so has your views changed then so now you're seeing the benefit of someone coming in and support you in that way yeah and I guess it's just the right people as well like it's whether you know someone who really understands and supports your brand versus someone who just kind of wants to come in and sees that you can make bigger profit somewhere and is willing to compromise on kind of the brand values and stuff. So yeah. I think that's different. And also just, you know, our goal is to try and make it really accessible so everyone can have great tasting vegan cheese. I know some of you tried the cheese already. Like, so, you know, that really can only happen if we get more money involved. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And, and in terms of like, obviously vegan cheese, as I said, is a massive um, food innovation that I think has come along so much over the past few years. Like I remember when I first tried vegan cheese to what it is now, it's like amazing. Yeah. Um, are there any other food trends and um, other things that you can see that's growing and that's going to be like a big thing this year or next year? Any other food trends? Yeah. 
God, put me on the spot, Judy. What about <laughs> Mako's fish? I think that's going to yeah, be pretty good. Alternative seafoods. And there's also yeah. the Sarno brothers. Charles yeah. Sarno, they've developed this kind of like non-tuna, what's it called? Like good catch, good catch. or something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think that's going to be a huge area because we've seen how many meat alternatives there are now. You know, like burgers and mints and everything. You can get it in all supermarkets. So you can near me anyway. So I think fish alternatives will be huge. And also... I think cheese and maybe the other dairy counterparts, things like mm. yogurt, might start getting mixed up. Because for ages it was just, you know, even with milks, it was just Alpro and whatever. And think how much the market's opened up in terms of oat milks and all these other things that are now coming 100%. out there. So I think the kind of... Because at the moment, things like yogurt, you can only get like a coconut and an Alpro, different things. I think that's going to change yeah, a bit as well. Yeah. Yeah. And um, have you seen your customers changing over the time that when you first started to now? Um, oh, I don't know really. I think from the start, we kind of appealed to, to a lot of people. I think the thing that might be changing now is that it's not just vegans who are buying our products. It's like other people who are just wanting to stop dairy or just a lactose intolerant or just someone has someone vegan coming around for dinner so they want to get cheese that everyone can eat and it tastes good I think it's more the people on the tertiary sidelines who might not be fully vegan but just kind of want to try eating something a little bit different and that's so, the most important kind of customer isn't it? Absolutely yeah yeah. 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 Um, and so you took 2018 by absolute storm <laughs> what's your plans for this year and beyond? Um, well, our plan is just to keep growing. So we grew so much last year. It was really kind of, you know, and we, I was only full-time for three months of it. So that was insane. And we went from production in my one bed flat in Angel. And now we have a commercial kitchen. We've got a team of four. It's been a big growth. So the plan for this year is to, um, we're just about to rebrand and rechange all our packaging, which is very exciting. It's looking really nice. And we're going to get out into the kind of more independent delis and health food shops in London and beyond in the next month hopefully and then the plan is to kind of really upscale our manufacturer and kind of get it out there so it's as easy to get as possible whether that's having it in your local shop you know or in a supermarket it's gonna we're gonna try and really roll it out there and try and hopefully you know maybe make a slightly change on the price it might be slightly more affordable as well if we possibly can because yeah that, I think that's going to help more people just give it a go to try it as well. Is that something that you feel like is maybe a reason why some people maybe don't go and try it? Yeah I mean I just think especially maybe not the kind of if you're vegan then you're kind of used to paying a slight premium for a kind of really great tasting products and you'll kind of just take it as, give, as a given but I think if you're kind of not someone who normally eats vegan food and you're say in a supermarket looking at a shelf and you see my cream cheese which currently sells at seven pounds and you see a tub of Philadelphia for two pounds then it, you're kind of you're not you have to really be motivated to spend that extra money mm. so I think making it I'm not saying we'll get it down to two pounds but you know the more affordable we can make it I think the more likely other people will be to try it and 100%. I think that's where we get them definitely that's where we get them it sounds so conniving I'm gonna eat some cheese <laughs> As always, thanks for listening to this bonus episode of the Vevolution podcast brought to you in partnership with By Chloe. If you enjoyed this talk, please leave us a favourable review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Until the next time, take care and we'll look forward to seeing you soon.